Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and along with the Church Fellowship of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle, we welcome you to today's radio broadcast of Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, A Remnant Shall Return. If you are a regular listener, you know that my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, has been teaching a Through the Bible series focusing on heavenly authority. The current sermon is from 1 Kings chapter 11. King Solomon, when he was old, was moved by his many pagan wives to follow after other gods and build high places of worship to them. Because of this evil in the sight of the Lord, God decreed that the majority of the kingdom would be torn away from Solomon's house in the day of his son Rehoboam, but that they would keep a tribe for the sake of David and Jerusalem. Ahijah the prophet symbolically tells Jeroboam, an officer under Solomon and a mighty man of valor, to take ten pieces of a new garment, which Ahijah has torn into twelve pieces, representing the twelve tribes of Israel. Ten tribes would be given to Jeroboam to rule over. When we left off, Pastor Greg was explaining this division, which in the south was Judah and a good part of the tribe of Benjamin, left to David's house, and in the north, the other ten tribes of Israel given to Jeroboam. And he was answering the question, What about the tribe of Simeon? Where does it belong? We'll pick up the sermon in the middle of this explanation. But before we do, let me remind you that our church's website contains an archive of Bible programs for believers who enjoy serious study. The address is www.shiarjashub.org. Here now is Pastor Greg Scalzo. And at the time of the separation, many of these people from Simeon are up in the north someplace also, associated with Ephraim and Manasseh, dispersed in other parts of Israel. Perhaps even some of those in the south have gone back up north and gone with those who never came down. And hence that phrase in First Chronicles, until the reign of David, so that the end result is Simeon is included as one of the ten tribes. You'll see some works that'll say, well, the three southern tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin, and someone will say, well, yeah, but how do you get ten tribes then in the north? Well, really, Simeon shouldn't be included in that list. Yeah, some of Simeon is dispersed, assimilated with Judah, but there's an actual presence distinct and defined as Simeon, which later on in Second Chronicles is identified with the northern tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, and even further north than that, if you go and read those scriptures, if you get a chance. So Simeon would be counted with the northern tribes. Okay, let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 11. He gives the reason why he doesn't tear it totally away. God has made a promise. God will keep his promise to David, to Jerusalem. But then he gives the reasons why he has to tear it away, the kingdom, and give it to him because they have forsaken me and worship these abominable gods. And we discussed these abominations and all their practices that foolish, foolish Solomon builds the altars to. 
Verse 34, however, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand. He's taking the kingdom, the kingdom of what? The kingdom of Israel, right? He's taking the kingdom of Israel. Odd situation. Judah is remaining under David's ascendants. Jerusalem is remaining as a site of the temple and worship. They have to go there three times a year for the celebrations. But the actual kingdom is being torn away and given to Jeroboam. Not the whole kingdom, but the actual kingdom of Israel. He says in verse 35, I will take the kingdom out of his son's hands and give it to you, ten tribes. And so because the majority of the kingdom is being given to Jeroboam, it becomes known as Israel, right? And you have now the northern section being called Israel and the southern section being known as the tribe that remains Judah. And that will include Benjamin. Why do I emphasize this? I don't want you to be confused because in the New Testament, the word Israel is used. And it's used to refer to all the Hebrews, all the tribes. Because there are those that since Israel becomes a title associated with the north, and if you have any, if you've been around Christianity any time, you know that there are those that have gone off on tangents to talk about when you read Israel in the New Testament, it's not speaking about the Jews, it's speaking about the lost tribes, and they get into all types of theology, and they go off into all types of teachings, because the word Israel, they assume, will always mean just the ten northern tribes. Israel means God's covenant people, those that come from Jacob. Since the majority are given into the north, since he takes the kingdom of Israel and gives it to Jeroboam, it becomes known as Israel, and you have this tribe, Judah, down below, left behind. But later on, when they come back out of the captivity, Israel still means all of Israel. And there's even a proof to this. Speaking of all God's covenant people, if you look at Second Chronicles, I mean, there's, there's a lot of proofs, but this is a clear one. Second Chronicles chapter 11 and verse 3. What does God mean when he says Israel? Is God committed to a title, meaning just those northern people. Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel in Judah and Benjamin, saying, okay, the people in Judah and Benjamin, God considers what? Israel. Okay, they're still Israelites. God doesn't say, no, you're no longer Israelites, you're just Jews. Right? Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all Israel and Judah and Benjamin, saying, Thus says the Lord your God, you shall not go up to fight against your brethren. Speaking about the, the northern kingdom. So in God's sight, Judah and Benjamin are still Israel. Right? Israel is not a phrase just to be used for the northern tribes. And when Paul uses it, Paul's from Benjamin and you know in the New Testament there's proof that you have different tribes. We know there's a big influx in the Babylonian captivities of those from Judah. But you also read about the other tribes coming back. We have letters to the 12 tribes. When they came back into Israel, little by little those who dispersed by Assyria came back. Did many of them get assimilated into their societies and they don't even know they're Israel? Yes. Could some of them gone to this nation, that nation? Of course. Even after Jesus, forget about the northern tribes, the Jews, throughout all of Europe. You know how many Jews got assimilated into Christendom? And they don't even know they're Jewish people? They got assimilated. Those that could not go into the synagogue, they were cast out because they believed in Jesus. 
When that happened in Greece and Rome, what do you think happened to them? They became known as Greeks and Italians. That's the history of Israel, that there will be those assimilated in and they lose their identity. But that doesn't mean that there were not Israelites that came back in from all 12 tribes, not just Judah and Benjamin. And the New Testament makes that clear, and I believe the Old Testament makes that clear. And you can see that God, when he says Israel, he means all his people, the northern nation of Israel and southern Judah. Verse 36, And to his son I will give one tribe, that my servant David may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself to put my name there. There still will be a lamp there. So I will take you and you shall reign over all your heart's desires and you shall be king over Israel. Then it shall be if, this is a, a contract, but it's a conditional contract. If you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways and do what is right in my sight to keep my statutes and my commandments as my servant David did. You become like a son of David, not by blood, but by faith and action. I will be with you and build for you an enduring house as I built for David and will give Israel to you. So he receives an enduring house. His house receives the kingdom of Israel. Now, ultimate, the ultimate king, the Messiah, still has to come from David, right? That's a promise. Jerusalem, the border of Judah and Benjamin, is still the place for his name. That's still the site of the temple. That's a promise. But Jeroboam and his house could have ruled Israel if they did everything right, theirs could have been the ruling family until Messiah came. If they did everything right, he's giving him great promises here for this northern area, for his house, if he does what's right. But you know, Jeroboam in his own day will not do what's right. He will flip around. And he says in verse 39, And I will afflict the descendants of David because of this, but not forever. The descendants of David, the kings of Judah, will be afflicted. He will afflict them, but not forever. Well, who pays the price? Which son of David takes the full affliction upon himself? It's Jesus. He pays the price. He unifies the kingdom. He takes that penalty for all the forefathers, the sons of David. Actually, those coming through Solomon are not even his flesh ancestors, right? His Physical lineage through Mary comes out of Nathan, David's son Nathan. He receives the legal right of the kingship of David. He is in the flesh a son of David. He has the genes of David coming from David through Nathan to Mary, as you read in the Gospel of Luke. He has the legal right as the firstborn son of the king from Solomon, because the line goes from Solomon all the way down to at the time of Joseph, the legal king is a carpenter. Joseph would have been the legal king, and as Jesus, as his adopted son, his firstborn son, would have received the right of the kingship of David through Solomon. So he takes the penalty of the, all the sins of mankind and the affliction of the house of David upon himself. You have this tension between the north and the south. The king of Judah the son of David, 
And yet, what does it tell us about the northern kingdom in Isaiah chapter 9? Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Zebulun and Naphtali. You know what is in Zebulun? Nazareth. In those areas, you have Nazareth, you have Galilee. And afterward, more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan and Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So you have birth, Bethlehem, ministry, final ministry, Jerusalem. He is the king of Judah, the son of David, and yet he is the preeminent one of the north. What is he called? Jesus of Nazareth. If you want to rehear the sermon, you can visit our website at www.shiarjashub.org. The website has an archive of Bible study programs, both new and old, with in-depth analysis as well as anointed preaching. You will also find information about our church, including our 10 a.m. Sunday service. And Pastor Greg is regularly adding written messages for the church today. From topics on Christian responsibility to what the Bible says about capitalism to creation science, we believe you will find the commentaries both educational and inspiring. The address again is www.shear-jashub.org. May the Lord bless you as you serve Him.